You're listening to BizCraft, a live podcast about the business of web design with Carl the Jellyfish King Smith and Mean Gene Crawford. Craft listeners, and welcome. It is Carl, your fearless host today, in another one of our interview episodes. And today I'm excited because I have got one of the founders of a great shop out of Brighton, 10-year-old shop, just a little bit younger than Engine, but I got to tell you, I think they've accomplished a lot more. Uh, the founders have written some great books. They actually created an app that I loved back in the day when I was allowed to do work called Silverback. I'm excited to have with me today, Mr. Andy Budd. How's it going, Andy? Ah, oh, so good. And it's so nice to kind of chat to you. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know whether your, your audience want to know this, but we go way back from the early days of conferences in South by Southwest. And so it's um, always a pleasure to speak to you and get to chat about what's going on in the industry. So thank you so much for having me on board. Oh, thanks for being able to make it. And, you know, we are the old guard. You know, it, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you, you look at it and realize that, you know, engine's 12, clear left is 10. And uh, we've been doing this for a long time. But you know what? I also... Maybe this is just old age, but I like to think we're also the new wave. You know, we're, we're learning how to adjust and how to move forward. And you may or may not have seen some of the stuff that I've been writing about and, and talking about just in the way that the service shop is, is under fire in the U.S. And I know that's going on in the U.K. too. What, what are you seeing over there? Well, I mean, you're probably sort of referencing a lot of articles that we've been seeing going on recently, sort of bemoaning or decrying the death of the agency. And I think it's fun to have those conversations and I can understand why some of them are happening. Um, but I think it's it's um, missing a, a much bigger, broader picture. And so I see a lot of these conversations happening in very specific little microcosms like Silicon Valley, like San Francisco, whereby it's a bit of a monoculture, where most of the organisations that would be buying digital services out there are not traditional organisations like banks or universities or charities um, or just regular businesses, marketing businesses. It's mostly startups. And there is a culture within startups. You know, quite understandably, to attract talent. Often you can do that if you've got a lot of VC funding with, with high salaries and, um, you know, sushi conveyor belts and free laundry <laughs> and all the kind of like insane stuff that you hear from, from various startups down there. And, and when you sort of look at that ecosystem, it's really easy to start wondering, is there really a place for agencies? Um, and we've seen a lot of agencies be acquired. We've seen a lot of agency founders sort of sell up and move in-house. And so it's understandable that these conversations um, go around. Now, rather than it being the death of the agency, I think it's almost uh, a sign of how vibrant the agency culture is. Because if startups are able to um, purely staff um like through normal means, they wouldn't have to go around and acquire agencies. But because so much of, I think, the great talent in our industry is locked in these agencies. And the reason I think a lot of talent is in these agencies is because they've got so used to working really, really fast for a whole range of problems, a whole range of stakeholders, a whole range of clients. I think if you're a designer in an agency, you get to... Um, you know, do your 10,000 hours of, of um, learning so much quicker than people that are often in a startup and are just polishing this, you know, th this beautiful sort of like, you know, product and who often like find that they're doing like, you know, a thousand hours, you know, um, you know, again and again and again and again, doing the same stuff over and over. So I think the, the fact that these companies are going out to agencies to, to 
acquire is is a sign of the power in there. Um, but to sort of like, you know, put your question, I think within Silicon Valley, yeah, sure. If I was an agency based in San Francisco, I'd find it a really tough time. You know, I'd find my staff being acquired by, you know, big, you know, moneyed companies. I'd find a lot of conversation around, you know, you know, um, are, are we valid? And yet at the same time, I hear of San Francisco shops opening all over the place or very, really, really powerful shops who are still servicing that market, who are still servicing the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. But I think if you zoom out, if you take a longer zoom and you look at the US in general, um, outside of those hubs, um, you know, not everywhere in the States is is full of startups. Lots of companies are just traditional companies trying to make a living, selling stuff online, selling services, selling goods. And then if you zoom out to, a, you know, a city like London, you know, and we at Clear Left, we're based in Brighton, but we're only an hour away from London. We service to a very large part, probably 60 or 70 percent of our clients probably are in the London area. London is a mega city. I mean, it's like, you know, 10 million odd people and so many um, international companies have their headquarters there. It's where um, our national broadcasters are based. It's where big charities are based, museums, e-commerce retailers. And so if I look at all the people we're working with at the moment, we're working with two e-commerce companies. We're working with um, a very large bank. We're working with... Um, uh, a, a, a big charity, a local government, um, all of these people are, are crying out for those kind of services. And it's not because they don't have teams in-house. A lot of them do. And a lot of the work we're doing is advocating them build up their teams. But there's always going to be room for specialists. There's always going to be room for experts. There's always going to be room for people that have got 10 years plus experience to come in and work with more junior teams, you know, of three or four years of provide additional services that they, you know, additional specialisms they might not be able to um, fulfill in-house. Or just sometimes just providing a an external perspective. I mean, you've been in the, the consultancy industry for a while. I'm sure you've spent plenty of times where you go into a company that's already got an in-house team. You end up saying almost exactly what the team has been saying for the last two or three years. But for some magical reason, because you're a consultant and because they can see how much you're charging, <laughs> of it's the founders listen to you when they don't listen to their team. So even if it's just coming in as an advocate, I think it's a it's a it's a um, a profession that would be around for a very, very long time. I totally agree with you. And it's 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 hilarious to hear the way that you you talk about it. I never thought about the fact that the bigs, which is what I call them, you know, your Googles and Amazons and even Pinterest, you know, that they take the talent from us because that's where the talent is. And we actually lost five people in the course of three months uh, to Apple and Yahoo and Google. And I think we ended up losing two to Microsoft, which was shocking. I didn't see that one coming. Right. Um, but I was happy for them. I, and I told everybody at Engine when, when they get there, I'm like, look, you're going to leave one day. It's just my job to make sure it's for a good reason. And they wanted these opportunities. And I really don't have a problem with us being a feeder network. The, the thing that I've seen is when <laughs> they've been pulled up into those product companies and they try to come back out, mm. they are so disillusioned with what the world really is. Now, yep. they, they haven't seen the sunlight probably in three or four years. So they, they don't realize that getting beer on a Saturday means you're working on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And they end up coming out and they have these grand illusions of what it will co what, what they can be paid. I actually had somebody say to me, look, I don't need much. I just need like a quarter of a million dollars a year. And wow. I would be, and I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. owners, owners don't make that. But, but the other thing that's really interesting about what you just said 
is, you know, the death of the service shop. Now I was in full service advertising and you may not know this, but full service advertising agencies died a horrible and painful death in 1999. Okay. Um, you probably don't know that because there are dozens of them in your city. Probably. Mm. I, I know that we've got at least 20 here. They show up all the time. They're just different. They've just evolved, you know, and, and it's the same thing with, with digital agencies. There are people who absolutely love the service space. And, and I agree with you that when you look at, you know, people in San Francisco, they not only have the cost of talent, the constant poaching, they've got the cost of real estate. They've got mm -hmm. all these other things that make it just so amazingly difficult. But at the same time, you said specialist. And, and that's what I found out when I talked with and, and surveyed like over 100 shops. I, and I think it's specialist, but it's also people who stand for something. Or, or believe in something really strongly so that it can just permeate that barrier of the generalist who just says, mm -hmm. yes, we can do that, the order taker, right? So, so what, do you, what do you see over there, especially, like I know there have been some shops that are struggling and closing up. Are you seeing a lot of new shops that are springing into life? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, first off, there's so much that you just sort of responded to um, there that I'd love to touch on. But the particular question you asked, um, I think the ecosystem is getting better and better. I think it's getting more challenging because, you know, when Clearlift started 10 years ago, there really was very little, if any, credible competition for us, which is one of the reasons why we were not only doing huge amounts of work in the UK, but doing a lot in Europe and, and the States. Jump ahead 10 years, and there are some really good agencies around. Some of them are very new. Some of them are older agencies that have transformed, like you said. Some of them are like small little kind of like teams of two or three people. Some are very large full-service agencies that have realized that to service their clients' needs, they need to start developing a, a UX practice, a digital design practice, a service design practice. And so I think the ecosystem is getting much more healthy. Um, Sure, some agencies will die. You know, a lot of very poor agencies will disappear. And I think the quality um, because of that has risen. I also think that there is a natural, you know, there is a natural decay. You know, 10 or 15 years is quite a long time to be running an agency. True. And I think particularly, you know, if you find yourself working with lots of startup founders who are making very, very large amounts of money, as you and I know, like the agency, you know, you don't go into the agency business to become a multimillionaire. Um, you do it out of love and passion. And I'm sure a lot of the founders we've seen who have moved on, who have sold their agencies, have been have done it because they've um you know been tempted away by um you know the large profits that they can make in in other areas and that's absolutely fine you know i think it's perfectly reasonable if you've been doing this thing for 10 years you know to sort of retire out of agency life and go and get a cushy job in a large startup where you know you have a nice life and you have a michelin star chef cook for you every day and every now <laughs> and again you go to a meeting and do a bit of work you know not that i'm being dismissive or anything but i know a few of my friends have kind of like you know said to me that they're not ready to retire yet and by retire they mean be bought out by google and go and work with google as a head of design so you know and that's fine you know there's nothing wrong with that you know it's a really nice life and so i just think because we see senior organizations old organizations go that's Again, that's just an indication of the health of the industry rather than an indication that it's in some kind of crazy decline. Because I think that in the UK, at least, the quality has gone up and the demand for those services has gone up. You know, it used to be four, five, six years ago, I would have to describe in detail what we did at Clear Left and how UX was different and how we couldn't you know, just open up Photoshop and dive in. And now our clients get it. And there's so much more demand and supply. 
if anything, the the massive exp- uh, like extension of demand has meant that there are you know some less good companies coming in claiming to be UX designers or digital designers, but they're learning. And over three, four, five years, they'll get better and they'll get better and they'll get better. Um, so yeah, I think in some small little microcosms it might be difficult, but I think in big cities like New York, San Francisco, I say New York, um, London, Tokyo, there'll be a healthy ecosystem for a really long time. And I think in smaller cities around the world as well, because there's there's more demand and there will be more demand than there is supply, and that's you know that can that can only be a good thing I think at the moment. Yeah, and I. I totally agree. You know, the the young shops that are coming in, and it's so easy to find a philosophy. It's so easy to find a process. It's so easy to make something look pretty good, even if you don't know what you're doing with Squarespace, right? So for the, the less educated clients, when they see the difference in the price point or the difference in the availability, it can be really easy to select that other shop. What, what you just said that, that really hit me was some of them may end up becoming great shops over the years. They're mm-hmm. just in survival mode as they first get going. And so, so that, that makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't thought about it that way. I, I also think that when we realize that there are so many great shops that aren't in these big cities, you know, there's some great shops in the States in Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's some great shops in Savannah, Georgia. You know, these, these little, you know, tier two cities, which is what we would call it. Jacksonville, where I am, is, is probably a tier two city. Uh, but but they're great shops, and the fact that they're there doesn't matter. Uh, in fact, they have their local base. It's probably a correction, what's going on right now in the industry. And, and I'll tell you, in the States, in this first quarter, stuff came back really fast. Mm. In 2014, a lot of the friends that I have, as well as other shops that I talked to, everybody had like one terrifying quarter mm. where it seemed like nobody would come in. You know, we're standing at the door with a million dollars you know, collectively in the pipeline or whatever, but, mm. but it just stalled out or people took things in house or whatever. Well, th- that's always happened. I think it's just when we see it happen to a big name and a, a lot is made of it and there's a big post on their blog or on medium or whatever, it can be easy to ring that bell. Koi Vin rung that bell. Remember that? Mm. Was it five mm. years ago where he said, this is over. I'm going to start a product. Mm-hmm. How'd that work out for you, Koi? You know, it's like he ended up with a whole lot of fans that he had to hurt when he shut that down. Mm. Uh, and I don't know what he's doing now, but but it's just one of those things where people constantly want to have that vision that something is going to change completely. Mm. And it never does. Right. And also this, this kind of this sort of weird sort of um, sort of as humans, we're, we're, we're naturally pattern matching animals. So if in a whole year, if in 12 months, we see three companies close, we suddenly think, oh, my God, there's a pattern there. But we we tend to be focusing much more on the three companies that closed than the 300 or the 3000 that opened or the 3000 that doubled in size or so, you know, and we like, you know, we, we're sort of like almost pre-programmed to kind of like, you know, notice these things and make a bigger deal. And, you know, I think maybe there's a, you know, there's also an element, particularly I think for you with all the sort of founder camp stuff, that when you get a group of people in, in a room, um, it's kind of easier to sort of spot these sort of micro patterns um, because, you know, you're talking to a lot of really, really engaged founders. But, you know, sometimes it's just random happenstance, you know, 
yeah, a lot of people seem to have a bit of a bad quarter last year. You know, we had a kind of, you know, a, a not an amazing start to the year, but that happens, you know, and, and um, you know, I think it's just a, yeah, just a random fluke because I don't think there was anything particular that happened in the economy or particularly in the UK that happened with um, with the businesses we were working with. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't read too much into it. If it becomes three quarters, four quarters, six quarters of, of continuous stuff and everyone's saying it, then there's a problem. But, but going back to some of the other things you were saying, cause I think they're really interesting. I think once you, you're a designer and you've been through the startup kind of like tech company mill, I think you're absolutely right that it does change your perception of, of what design is worth. And in some regards, that's a great thing. You know, we've long been talking about how design needs to be valued more. And it's great that these designers are coming out having a really high value of themselves. What we need to do now is we need to convince our clients that that value is justified so we can raise our prices to be able to afford to pay the salaries that these individuals are expecting. Because I think we should all be paid better because I think design is an incredibly important, um, not only a career, but a, a way of improving the world, improving society. On the other hand, I am seeing a, a, a kind of a, a rather unfortunate side effect, which is very, very young people who are actually nowhere near as good as they think they are. Because <laughs> they've been told for the last two or three years that they're special because they've been cosseted, because they've had their laundry done for them, because they've been driven from place to place and because they've worked for really, really big brands. And so I think there is a sense of entitlement, which is, you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people, a lot of the, you know, um, you know, the sort of general population in San Francisco are getting kind of slightly, you know, hacked off with with the sort of the startup culture. And it used to be that I used to go and visit San Francisco and I loved being around these people. And now I kind of actively dislike it. I'll be sitting in a coffee shop and I'll be I'll be listening to people who are moaning about the terrible state of working at insert big tech company here because they've been there for a year and, you know, um, the MD decided that they wanted to have healthy food on a Thursday and I demand to be able to eat my pizza because I can't eat my pizza. I'm going to go and work for Google because they don't make me eat salad on Thursdays. You know, just lame our stuff like that. And it's just like this crazy sense of entitlement, which I think is, is worrying. And I know a lot of people in the agency world and even in the, in the, in the tech company world that are struggling to find good quality folks because there's, there's a mass of junior people that, that are, are charging ridiculous money. Um, so there is a problem, but I, you know, I think that will change. Um, you also said something about how like agencies are being a feeder for startups and tech companies. I'm weirdly, I think that's also going to, we're going to see the reverse. So, um, you know, London, in some regards, I think London is a little bit more impervious to this stuff, as I said, because we've got a bigger ecosystem and we're not just focused on the monoculture of the tech scene. But also in the last two or three years, we have had Facebook and Twitter and Google um, build out their design and their tech departments in the UK because it used to be primarily just sales. And they are hiring like mad and they are offering slightly higher wages. And the wages in the UK are kind of sort, sort of lower than, than the states in general anyway. So they're seeing this as a really good opportunity to hire folks in. But what I'm seeing is, is they're hiring junior people in and they're training them up. And in two or three years time, I think a lot of those people will get frustrated for having spent the last three months or three years rather optimizing Google ads or, you know, optimizing some really niche part of, of a huge system and not seeing having much of a dent. And they're going to come out onto the market and they're going to want to do different stuff. They're going to want to work and, and put their their talents into helping charities or helping cultural institutions or improving 
infrastructure or government you know i mean you look at that that in san francisco with so many people moving into things like um uh code for america so i think we're going to see much in the same way as we saw loads of great people coming out of the bbc and starting their own things i think we're going to see in three or five years you know people like kenneth leaving twitter and coming back into the world and not necessarily going and working for a large company but starting his own business starting his own product company coming back into a larger agency running a team um you know so i think yeah i think in a weird kind of way, those startups are going to be seeding our next generation of senior practitioners in the same way as maybe, you know, we started by seeding their like juniors or mid-level people. So I think it's all good, really. And I agree. The, the thing that's interesting about what you just said about the startups, including the, the very successful monolithic ones, starting to seed the agency world. Especially when somebody comes out, like you're mentioning Kenneth, right? Somebody comes out, starts their own shop, and they've learned from the mistakes that they experienced. And I used to love hiring people who had just come off an amazingly bad job. Like they, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit there and listen to them complain about their ex, right? But but it was one of those things that you knew they would appreciate what they had if you gave them a good environment and allowed them to create a good culture. They were going to appreciate it. And one of the things that I've seen in in the States, specifically with, with friend shops, um, is that they're kind of trimming out all the what I would call culture games, right? Like Google gave up. Google gave up on the 20% time, right? How many of us – and I don't know if Clear Left did this, but at Engine, we had Engine Fridays. Part of it was because we were too hammered from Thursday night to work. <laughs> but it was one of those things where we didn't work on Fridays. You know what? I think there's a, a certain breed of shop right now, and some of them are the, are the older shops, some of them are newer shops that are just like, you know what, that doesn't really make sense. I would rather everybody go home on time from Monday through Thursday <laughs> mm. versus just bust ass and put 60 hours worth of work in four days, you know, so that you can have this this illusion of the day off. Or if, if it's free beer at work or it's the ping pong table, and, and these are all little icons that we grab onto for, from the culture games. I think it's really getting to a point where we would rather streamline, we would rather give you more time and more money versus us try to create this illusion that's really nothing more than a marketing ploy and a recruiting tool because people leave because ultimately it's just too much, right? Mm. You, you do need friends. You do need family. You do need a life outside of the company that you're currently at. And so that for me is one of the things that I, I think could be exciting when we see these people come out of the, the big companies and start their own shops. It'll be interesting to see what they do. And, and then when you mentioned Code for America, one of the people that left Engine for Microsoft stayed there for six months. And I remember I told him, I was like, look, you're young. You've never had a bad job. I want you to go do this. Get as much of their money as you can. See how long you can stand it because it's going to be like riding a bull in the rodeo. And <laughs> as soon as you can't take it, you know, go do something great. So he left and went to Code for America. So, mm. And then out of Code for America, he's now at 18F, which is the, the new administration or the, or the new tech uh, group that the Obama administration is putting together. They're saying they're, they've never not spent this much money assembling a team since the space race. Wow. That, that Washington is now saying, I think they've got two groups. One's called the, the Digital Services, uh, United States Digital Services, USDS, and the other one is called 18F because it's on the corner of 18 and F Street or something. <laughs> and uh, and they're putting together these great, great teams of really smart people. 
and a lot of them are leaving product shops because mm-hmm. now they want to do something great. They're still getting paid. I think I think people are making like I know director levels around one hundred seventy thousand U.S. and then you've got designer developers in the one twenties or one thirties. So it's not like they're they're going there at a sacrifice, but they aren't taking a cut from what they were probably getting at the, at the big shop. So so I think that's definitely a trend, and and that that gives me a lot of hope because once they're done with their stint. In the government, I mean, two years or however that long, long that lasts, they're going to have to figure something out then. Wouldn't it be great if they start to open shops? Mm. And I think, you know, ultimately, it's it, people want to do meaningful work. I think, you know, working for a salary or working around a great group of people in a large company is, is great for a while. But after you kind of like been doing it for a while, you kind of, kind of suddenly start to sort of sit back and think, well, what benefit have I had to the world? What benefit have I ever given? If the only benefit is you shipped a small little feature on a very large product or you improved, you know, click through rates by a couple of, you know, half a percent, even if it does mean billions and billions of pounds. When you sort of look back on your life and you think, well, actually, how did I benefit the world? It's probably not a huge amount. Whereas if you go and work for GDS in the UK is the kind of government digital services, uh, the, the big thing. And so many people in the UK that are sort of amazing, talented designers went to work for them. And it's because they wanted to have some kind of purpose. And I do think agencies can do that as well. I mean, you know, a lot of agencies, including ourselves, take a very moral standpoint and we'll, we'll make sure that we work for companies that we, you know, we only believe in. And, um, you know, we try and seed our projects with, you know, good people like local councils, as I said, or museums or charities. And you don't necessarily get to do that if you're working for a startup. You know, if you're working for a startup, you know, maybe you're just trying to, you know, you know, I mean, I still look at most startups and, and you know, you know, boggle at the amounts of money they get for what is often a really lame product. You know, here's a new app to be able to flirt slightly more effectively on, you know, online or, you know, I mean, how many clones of 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 tinder do we need how many um you know live streaming apps do we need how many ways of texting people do we need you know a lot of these things feel like they're you know they're fun little toys but they really are just kind of that they're toys they're amusements and and i think you know people want to have more substance in their life um so yeah you know it's 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 a big continuum and you know i'm definitely not worried at the moment um but you know that might change you know we we are moving from a period where the work that me and you did was unusual and a novelty into something that was incredibly highly in demand towards this idea of kind of digital transformation, whereas whereas the services and techniques that we have are now becoming fundamental to the way that most organisations do business. And so more people are getting into the industry. These skills are becoming more widespread. Um, so who knows, maybe in 20 or 30 years' time, you know, there'll be less of a need for agencies um, because all of these things will be serviced in-house. But I can't see it. I mean, there's still a requirement for other services. There's a requirement for accountants. There's a requirement for lawyers. There's a requirement for architects. Um, so I, I, I believe that design services will carry on and digital services will carry on for a very long time. And, and I think you're right. You know, looking at a little bit of research, uh, web design in the United States alone, $21 billion industry is what's projected for 2015. And 25% of that money is targeted as design. So mm-hmm. when, when you look at that, and I'm sure, I'm sure user experience is a big part of that, probably some customer experience stuff, but there are 125,000 digital agencies, right, web shops in the United States. That's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and no telling how many of them are big or small. You know, the, the research isn't that detailed, and I don't know how it was done. But it was done by a reputable firm, and, and you just get this sense that 
Yeah, it's it's not going away. It's mm-hmm. just changing. And those of us, I, I think your point is is spot on. When you've been in the industry and you've learned as much as we have, and you've had to unlearn as much as we have, <laughs> right? Like say click here because people don't know they can. Okay, never <laughs> say click here because that's just horrible for accessibility. Yeah. Um, so as you go through all of this and people start to accept it and companies start to build internal expertise because they should, right? Mm-hmm. Then you become more valuable because now your experience and what you've done is seen as something that benefits them. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is a converse and I think I saw this very much happen in the, in the first bubble. And, you know, I think there might be an argument that we're going through another, another bubble now, which is, I think, I think the lower end of the market, there will be a shakeout. You know, it used to be that if you just wanted to get online, you had to go to someone that would build a website, a shop, whatever, from scratch. And now you can go to Squarespace, you can go to Shopify, you can get professionally designed templates for for a relatively small price. You can go and kind of, you know, create customized icons and logos relatively simple. There are a lot of tools and platforms and libraries out there that have made the actual act of getting online a lot simpler. And so I think the shops and the designers that used to charge, you know, four or $5,000 that used to spend a week, you know, or two tops, maybe like two or three days getting people online, um, they're going to be moving from doing bespoke stuff to working with these tools and services. And it's really hard to compete if, you know, you look at Shopify and they're charging $50 for a design. So I think there will be a shakeout. Um, in the same way as I think what happened when, from my experience of the first dot-com bubble, is a lot of like, you know, pretenders came along a lot of people that just thought it was cool to you know be working on the internet and they'd they'd switch you know switch careers and then suddenly uh, you know there was a bit of a correction and they all went back to doing what they were doing as well um and i kind of you know for me i for me for me that's sort of like the social media marketing angle i think there's a lot of people in social media marketing that are doing it just because they can make money not because they love what they're doing not because um they're, they're delivering a huge amount of value. And I think that kind of end of the spectrum will be automated and, and some of those jobs will disappear. But I think the higher end bespoke um, service industry where we're not shipping products, but we're solving problems, where we're, you know, we're, we're helping organizations change and adapt and, and build services and build capabilities in-house. And sure, the website might be the output, but it's the change that we ring throughout doing that process is the really valuable stuff i think that's going to be going around for a long time um but yeah it's you know it's interesting to chat and debate these things so you know i think it's important well andy we're coming up on the end of our time and i just want to thank you so much uh this has been really good for me and and it's good to hear that you know not only to reconnect with somebody who's who's been through the same stuff that that i've been through and has run a shop for as long even though we're on different sides of the ocean uh, and just to say it, it's a pleasure. And, and I'm glad that Clear Left is, is still there and that you guys are doing great work. And I look forward to hearing what you guys are working on next. Brilliant. Well, uh, you know, likewise. And hopefully we can do this in person soon. I've been, I've been a long admirer of the, uh, the owner's camp stuff that you guys are doing. And I really desperately want to make it out, um, you know, maybe to San Francisco this year, if not, hopefully next year, because I want to come and hang and chat some more because, um, you know, having these conversations is really, really useful. And it's really good to see what my peers, my colleagues, my heroes even um, from around the world are kind of doing and, um, uh, and yeah, make sense of the industry that we're in. So thank you.
Uh, thank you. And everybody that was listening, thank you, too. We're going to keep doing this interview series. We think it's a really good way to keep BizCraft rolling along. And we'll see what comes up next. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great one, everybody. <laughs>